You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Chen. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. Well, someone has said that the missions conference is the business meeting of the church where the fate of the heathens decided. I don't know who originally said that. I've heard it um, attributed to more than one, but the main thing is what it says. And you think about that, it really is true because we decide whether the missionaries are going or not because they can't call on someone they've not heard about and so someone's got to go and now they're going to go unless they're sent and so it really comes back to this opportunity. So our church looked forward to our missions conference more than any week of the year. It was heavily attended. You know, you come to the missions conference, I had a kind of a mixture of excitement and a little bit of intrepidation. You said, what was the second one for? Uh, how much money I supposed to give? You don't wrestle with that? <laughs> well, then I'm a sinner because I did. It wasn't because I didn't want to. I just really wanted to know that. I wanted to know what the Lord wanted to do because I knew that he wasn't obligated to help me with anything that he didn't tell me to do. It's a good time to pray a lot. We're going to be in 1 Samuel, and I mentioned I like mechanical things, and that's exactly what I call this section of Scripture is the mechanics of faith, promise, missions. And I'm going to read a few faith, promise testimonies that I've picked up as I kind of travel across the country and do mission conferences. And uh, so the first one here is um, a young man, 16 years old. He said, my name is Anthony Horton. Oh, he's 15, but I think he was 16 when I, he, he sent this to me. My name is Anthony Horton, and I am 15 years old. I was saved at the age of nine and grown up in church. My dad always taught me to tithe, and I began to do so faithfully when I started a lawn business a little over three years ago. After I began tithing, my dad challenged me to pray and ask God about giving to missions. When I started my lawn business, I had a hard time at first finding customers. So my dad said I should fast and pray for business. I did, and when I went out the same day I was fasting, I met a lady who owned rent houses, and she gave me six houses in one stop. After committing to give to missions, I've seen God bless me in many different ways. One way was when my deck on my riding mower broke and my dad called the company we bought it from because we hoped it would still be under warranty because buying a new deck would be very expensive. They told us it was under warranty, but not if it was used for commercial business. The man came out to look at the mower and said it would normally not be covered, but after meeting with us and hearing about my business, he said, quote, if I get the deck for you, can you put it on? He told us that the deck would have cost $900, and he gave it to us for free. A few weeks ago, a lady in our church, for whom I used to cut her grass free, dropped by our house. She was an older lady, and he just cut it free. Dropped by our house and said, you know, I have a riding lawnmower, but I can't use it anymore. Would you like to have it? Time has passed, and now I have three riding lawnmowers, push mowers, and two weed eaters for my lawn business. Don't feel like I give all that much to the Lord above my tithe, but I've seen God bless me in amazing ways. And that's Anthony Horton. He's at Gospel Light Baptist Church in Malvern, Arkansas. And so there you go, guys. And um, 
Then I have one more here, and I kind of don't want to leave the adults out. This is one of my all-time favorites, and um, my people always liked it when I'd come back with a testimony. I hope it works for you to know what your brothers and sisters are doing uh, in other churches. And this is from uh, Arizona. This is from Phoenix, and uh, a man out there by the name of um, Brett Loveless is out of our church, pastors, and <clears throat> this is a man in his church. His name is Bob. Uh, Drinkhouse, and he was the music director, just a, a layman. As a little background to this, I was only saved a month before my first Faith Promise Missions Conference. We lived in South New Jersey, had a house, two kids, and had just gotten back from a failed transfer to Arizona. I worked at the time for U.S. Airways, and to make ends meet, I had a part-time locksmith business. I had just started to tithe. Now, how long has he been saved? Four weeks. I'm impressed already. Take some Baptists a long time to get into that tithe, <laughs> you know. You're missing a great blessing when you're not involved. I just started a tithe when I attended my first Faith Promise Missions Conference. The only experience I'd had with missionaries was uh, in the Catholic Church. After listening to all the testimonies and seeing all the slides, this was a few years ago, and hearing the different families present their work and having dinner with them, I wanted to hit them all, but knew that would be impossible. This is very important. I spent time at the altar every invitation. How long has it been saved? A month. And just asking the Lord as a new Christian to understand what my role was supposed to be and to understand what they kept talking about, asking the Lord to provide money based on faith. Well, that would sound strange to a person, you know. We get used to this church jargon, you know, but other people don't know. Being a new Christian at the time, I didn't know how to ask the Lord for such things. My mind could not grasp the concept was possible. I love it. Here we go again. After four days at the altar, if you don't know what you're supposed to do for faith promise, get down here and ask the man. You know, you'll never spend more time on your knees or too much time on your knees. Just old James was called camel knees in the Bible because he spent so much time on knees. After four days at the altar, my conversation with the Lord was, Lord, you know I'm just starting to tithe, and you know budgeting is something I don't do well. That means he was a Baptist. And to keep that up week after week for a year will be impossible. But if you provide it, I'm going to give it back. I really need you to show me it can be done. Would you like a heart like that? I love baby Christians. They don't know how to do anything but what the Bible says. We don't know better until we've been saved longer. Sometimes the way that works. That was Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The conference was over. On Wednesday night, we turned in our faith promise cards, and I put down $15 a week. Now, this is several years ago, but anyway, $780 for the year. That's the number that kept coming into my head. We did not have anything extra. We had a new house, two kids, and large medical bills. Kids and medical bills go together. On Thursday, I had a company that called me to do some locksmith work. They needed 24 new locks to replace the wrong locks that came in on their cash drawers. The drawers were auto-locking, presenting a problem. They also had a budget problem. So I went home to order new locks when I remembered that years ago I took off locks that were brand new and exactly the type they needed. The old company didn't want them, so I just wrapped them up and saved them. I used to save everything. I sold them the locks at 50% off to meet their budget, $19 a piece times 24. That was $456. I added my labor at $10 a lock times 24. That was $240. When I got home, a friend of mine came over and gave me two tickets front row to the Philadelphia Flowers playoff game. I love this. 
it was that coming Sunday, and I could not go because of church. I told a friend I could not go, and he said, well, sell them and keep the money for all the things you've done for me. I love it. The sincerity of a baby Christian. Now, I really wanted to go to that ball game. <laughs> and in my mind, I said, I've been to church four days this week. <laughs> and that should cover me, but I wanted to stay faithful, and I didn't buy the devil's trick. The tickets were $40 a piece, and I had no problem selling them. When the person gave me the $80 for the tickets, a bell went off in my head. I added it up. 456, 240, 80. Wow, $776. What was his faith promise for the year? 780. Just then, the person who bought the tickets opened the envelope and he was walking off, and there was a parking ticket for $4. I said, Keep the parking ticket. He said, No, here's the $4. The hair stood up on my arms and the back of my neck at the events that took place. On Sunday, because this happened on Thursday after Wednesday, on Sunday he paid his faith promise for the year. Now, I know that wasn't a great amount, again, several years ago, and I just love stories that are like that. Okay, First Samuel, Sunday school will not stand here for reading the scripture or anything like that, but let's get in first chapter and the first verses, and if I can get through some of these Bible names, we'll be up and running. Verse 1, now there was a certain man of Ramathim Zophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Zeph, and Ephrathite. And he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, the name of the other was Peninnah. And Peninnah had children, so plural, but Hannah had no children. And this man went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. And the two sons of Eli, Hophni and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. And when the time was that Elkanah offered, he gave to Peninnah his wife and to all her sons and her daughters, so she's got both. But unto Hannah he gave a worthy portion, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had shut up her womb. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret, because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as he did so year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, so she provoked her, therefore she wept, and did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, to her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why eatest thou not, and why is thy heart grieved? Am not I better to thee than ten sons? So Hannah rose up after they had eaten in Shiloh, and after they had drunk. Now Eli the priest sat upon a seat by post of the temple of the Lord, and she was in bitterness of soul, and prayed unto the Lord, and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and will remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. Now, Father, I pray that you would illumine our hearts and minds to understand Bible truth that we have here, that it will help us with our giving to missions in Jesus' name. Amen. So when I talk about mechanical things and how much I like it, I remember being just a, a little boy in Waco, Texas, probably five and six years of age, and I already had mechanical thoughts. Now, I think boys are born wanting to drive a car. And before they can drive one, there's one all over the house and everything going on. 
So when I went to this little store down the street, it was really just kind of a house with some of the walls knocked out and some concrete steps going up. And these uh, boxed, uh, you know, box tail trucks or whatever you call them, or box trucks or bobtail trucks, you know, not the ones with a trailer, would back up and unload stuff. Now, I wasn't tall enough to see anything going on inside that truck. Since I was so small and that truck bed was about like this, I could see everything going on under that truck. And I noticed there was this round pipe that was up towards where the engine was and somehow came down towards the back. And I had seen this happen enough that that truck never moved except that pipe turned. And so my little head, I still got a little head. In my little head I thought, is that truck moving make the pipe turn or the pipe turn and make the truck move? That about drove me crazy. Which one's causing what? What bothered me more is when I asked adults, and they didn't know. Adults are supposed to know. But now that's back when we had real cars and real trucks, and they had a drive shaft. And it went from the transmission to the third member, and when it turned, then the truck moved. I don't know everything about lights either, but I do understand Ohm's law of eat over I times R and how some of that works, but I'm thankful for it. And it good, it's good to know a little bit about it because if you tamper with electricity and don't know anything about it, it may talk to you <laughs> and tell you uh, that you need to learn something. So I'm just looking at how this takes place, and this is the way my mind works. It helps me to understand. So the first thing I want us to see is desire. Now, if we're going to really do what we should do for missions, we're going to have to have the right kind of desire to do it. Now, untold millions are still untold. There's so many that have never heard the gospel even one time. Now, we can get so busy over here that we forget about that. You get to thinking about what if your husband or your wife, or what if your son or your daughter, or whatever, doesn't know the Lord. And they don't know the Lord because they've never had a chance to hear even once. Why should anybody get to hear it twice when some people haven't heard it once? And when I mean people that have lived and maybe died and never heard it, I really don't know. In other words, I'm just saying is, hey, if it's just something the church is doing and you don't care about the lost, you're not going to do what you should do. That's some kind of word, isn't it? Lost. Remember one time again when I was a little boy, my mom was in a store, and H-E-B, I think it was back then in Waco, Texas, and it wasn't nothing compared to stores now, but it was big then, and I got to fooling around looking at something, and I looked around, and she was gone. She was just the next aisle over, but man, I broke out in a sweat. Uh, I don't like the idea of being lost. But some are. So I'm first of all just asking you, just do you really have a desire? Be honest with yourself. And I believe if you think about that for a little while, you will. Well, look at her. She had a desire. Verse 7, she's going up with her husband to worship each year. And then I guess Penina is kind of picking at her because she has sons and she has daughters, and Hannah has none. And so it provoked her, and therefore she wept and did not eat. Now, I don't know about you, 
But when I quit eating, something bothered me. Because I wake up starving to death. My wife says, you're like a bird in a nest. You wake up in the morning with your mouth open. <laughs> I said, of course, woman, I'm only made for two things. Men are made to eat and work and eat and work and eat and work and no eat, no work. <laughs> so it's like that. Have that desire. So she had a great desire to have a man child. In fact, it's down in verse 10. It says, and she was in bitterness of soul and prayed unto the Lord and uh, wept sore. You know, when you're a pastor, you do a lot of work in hospitals. I mean, there was hardly ever a week I wasn't in the hospital. And sometimes two and three times, you know, there's like four hospitals in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Sometimes it was critical. I remember sometimes there'd be an accident or something. There was several of those over in a period of 30 years. You stay up there late at night with a family. And they're going to stay in the waiting room because they don't know if their loved one's going to make it or not. And then early in the morning while it's still dark, you get up and head down to the hospital again. And they're still there and you want to do something. You don't know what to do. Sometimes it's past us, isn't it? Because I always think about Job's friends. They did fine until they opened their mouth and everything went downhill. And, and you're trying to be careful. But one thing I'd always try to do, I would say, you know, uh, you had anything to eat this morning? Pastor, we haven't had anything to eat. Well, could I just take you down the hallway? They've got a little cafe here in the hospital and buy your breakfast. No, Pastor, we probably feel like we shouldn't leave. What if I go down and you tell me what you want, I go get it and bring it back. Pastor, I don't know how times I heard this. Well, you know, preacher, we're just not hungry. Now, when something is on your mind so much that your appetite goes away, you're getting close to understanding where this woman was. Now, do you have that kind of desire? I've known people that have said, I'm going to give up my Starbucks or give up a hamburger, and I'm going to take that extra money. I'm going to add it to my missions because of the great need. So you'd have to ask yourself if you have desire that's something that no one really knows, probably, but you, they maybe could sense it. That's the first thing I see. Now, even though she desired to have a child and she wanted a man-child in particular, and of course, there were probably at least two major reasons back then. They always wanted a male child. That was an agrarian culture. In other words, they are all farmers just about or working with sheep and whatever, and they didn't have any tractors. What they needed was some muscle, and so they wanted boys to go out there and work that land. Not only that, the Hebrew ladies knew that somebody was going to birth to the Messiah somewhere down the road. So I think that's one reason that maybe she really wanted a male child. But she desired it so much, and she has prayed and prayed, and the years have gone by, and nothing's happened. You know, the Bible says we have not because we ask not. And then we ask and receive not because we ask amiss to consume it upon our own lusts. Maybe in the earlier years we would say, Hannah, why do you want to have a male child? She might have said, well, that's what you do when you get married. Everybody's got children. We want to have, you know, we want to have children. Well, that'd be true. There's nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only reason you want them, it's maybe a little bit selfish because children are a heritage of the Lord. How many times I've heard my wife say to a young lady, that's God's child, and he gave that little boy and little girl to you for 18 years to make a faithful servant of the Lord out of that child. 
nothing happens. But now the second thing after desire comes is focus. You know, I see your clock right there. I'm focused on that clock. You're glad that I am. <laughs> but I have a periphery, and uh, I flew planes for a lot of years. And when you used to get your physical, now you can't do it with your finger, but the doctor will take his finger and he'll come around and tell me when you see your finger. I see my finger right now, but it's in the periphery. I just know it's there. And, of course, he would wiggle it, and I, you know, I know it's wiggling because I don't have to look because it's my finger, and <laughs> I'm making it happen. So there's a focus and there's a periphery. I think sometimes our focus is not on the things of God. Our focus is on stuff. And God's in the periphery. Don't expect God's best if he's in the periphery because he's number one. And, and he's not selfish by that because when we keep our eyes on the Lord, we see better than any other time. So what happens? So in verse 11, you can see the focus. And she vowed a vow. A vow is a promise. I'm thinking about faith promise. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou wilt indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid and remember me and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a male child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life. See the focus? We're going from, well, everybody has children. I understand that. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm not even disagreeing with that. But I'm just telling you at the Bible here why something happened and maybe sometimes why it may not happen. I, I don't know. I don't know the mind of the Lord. But I know we have a Bible example right here. And so focus comes into her life. Well, then, of course, the next thing after focus is faith. Now, I didn't read, but we're going to read on past that now. And so in verse 12, and it, it came to pass that she continued praying before the Lord. Eli marked her mouth. Now, Hannah, she spake in her heart only. Her lips moved, but her voice was not heard. Therefore, Eli thought she had been drunken, been drinking. And Eli said to her, How long wilt thou be drunken? Put away thy wine. And Hannah answered and said, uh, No, my Lord, I'm a woman of a sorrowful spirit. I have drunk neither wine nor strong drink but have poured out my soul before the Lord. Count not thine handmaid for the daughter of Belial, for out of the abundance of my complaint and grief have I spoken hitherto. Now look at verse 17. Then Eli answered and said, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant thee thy petition that thou hast asked of him. And she said, let thine handmaid find grace in thy sight. So the woman went her way and did eat, and her countenance was no more sad. Does she have a male child? No. Is she even with child yet? No. Someone said about faith promise. Well, how, how, how do you get this faith? I'm, I'm, you can't get any better than out of the book. The word of the Lord came. This woman is bawling and crying all the time, hysterical, whatever the case like that, stops. You know, I always say, you know, if mommy ain't happy and nobody happy, there's probably a lot of truth in that. And her countenance was no more sad. 
it's a lot more fun to hang around happy people. <laughs> I mean, I enjoy life. My wife says to people, well, my husband's getting older, but he never has grown up. And I, I don't recommend it, brothers. <laughs> Growing up, he had to act the wrong way sometimes. He can't have any joy in life or whatever. It's her faith. You can just see these things now. She, she had a desire, and then she had focus, and then uh, she had faith. Well, then you move on a little bit farther, else, and we're going to see her commitment. You know, sometimes... I guess it's a whole lot easier to write something down on a card or whatever or to say something than it is actually, you know, for the doing. So let's just read on down again, verse 19. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. And that's good stuff too. And returned and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife, because like I said, she didn't have any child yet. And the Lord remembered her. Now, that's a big word in the Bible. When God remembers you, good things are on the way. Like Noah. And so many, God remembers. The fact is, God never forgets anything except what He chooses to forget. Like our sins. He never forgets, but He says their sins and their iniquity I will remember no more. Aren't we glad about that one? Isn't it neat to have a God that chooses to forget the things that are not good for us and then to remember the things that we need and that mean a lot? I get embarrassed by God's goodness. You say, are you filthy rich? No, and I don't really have any desire to be. I like to have my needs met and so forth. And really about the happiest people I know in life are people who are just about right there. They have their needs met. They serve in the Lord. It's all good. They're enjoying their life. Verse 20, wherefore it came to pass, when the time was come about after Hannah had conceived that she bare a son and called his name Samuel, saying, because I have asked him of the Lord. I guess you could call faith promise a Samuel offering because we've asked it of the Lord. Now, we know about tithing. You say, well, I don't know how much to tithe. Well, you tell me how much you make, and I can take care of that for you. Anybody can tell you. Pastor can tell you. Nobody can tell you what your faith promise is but the Lord. Now, my wife and I, over the years, because I want her involved in it, a lot of times we just take two pieces of paper. And well, here's the deal. Uh, we're going to you know, pray about what God wants us to give, and we're going to put it on paper, and whichever one gives the biggest number, that's what we're going to do. <laughs> And for years and years and years, and we've done that. My wife and I started tithing, excuse me, faith promise. I've been tithing ever since I got saved. Uh, at seven, 14 years of age, I got saved. And we started giving to faith promise uh, after I got out of the Navy in my first year in Bible college. So when I got out of the Navy, I went to work for Bell Helicopter and uh, built Hueys and Cobras for one year. And Bell Helicopter paid me $4.60 an hour. You say, that's not much money. Well, then you didn't live in 1966. That was good money. As a matter of fact, we were buying a nice brick home that was only two years old, and we made our monthly payment with one week's salary with money left over. That's a very good rule of thumb. And that was good money. 
Then God called me to go to Bible college. And we would go to Springfield, Missouri. For some reason, Missouri didn't appreciate my talent like they did in Texas. I made a dollar and a quarter an hour with a wife and a four-year-old boy. And I got a job parking cars in a multi-level parking lot thing. And I'm thinking, and so guess what? So when I was in the Navy, we had been in churches where they had faith promise. The Navy had moved, I hate moving, but they move you around. They don't ask your opinion on it, you know. But in Springfield was the first place we ever in a church that had a faith promise missions conference. So I no sooner get there and enroll and getting started in school and faith promise missions conference. And I've gone from $4.60 an hour to a dollar and a quarter. I said, Lord, you got a strange sense of humor. I mean, you know, tithing is tithing. When you go to $4.60 down to a dollar and a quarter, then it's, it's adjusted. And the Lord's okay with that. <laughs> and I talked to my wife about it, and we prayed about it. I said, honey, we, we, you know, we've got to do something. And um, so we came up with $3 a week. He said, that's pitiful. I know it, but just remember, $3 a week for me was two and a half hours of my pay. Then maybe that'd be a better way to look at it. So we started giving $3 a week. That was our first faith promise, Pastor. And that had been back in 1967. And guess what? That's been a long time. And you'll see later in here that your faith promise goes up. Somebody's probably going, $3 a week, I'm in. <laughs> Maybe you ought to look at your hourly wage or what you used to make or what it would be. or something. You know, you can outdo me. Uh, a, a lot of people, you know, really have. If my little wife was here, we've been married not quite 59 years now, and, and I, I could stand by her and put my arm around her and say, guess what? We've, we've given to faith promise now all these years. What, 50 50-something years, we've never missed a bill, we've never been late, one time. And you don't even want to get a pencil out and try to figure out how much money we've made and how much we've paid. It's just like now, I'm on the road, I don't pass, I don't regular your salary, don't even worry about it. My wife is the bookkeeper at our house, I decide what we do with it, she gives me a report, you know, every month she lays it right out. You know, everything we got and everything we spent, we make decisions on it. Sometimes I'll say, you know, bank accounts got a little more than I thought about it. She said, you may figure again. I said, leave it alone, woman. <laughs> I mean, if it's looking good, I mean, God's God. <laughs> you know, uh, let him work. So he called his name Samuel. And this, don't you know she was happy? Can you see her holding that little boy? That she waited for for so long. I love to see a mama with a little baby. Well, then, uh, weaning in America is different than weaning, as best I can, historically checking it. Uh, we think it's weaning as soon as they can eat mashed potatoes and gravy. And what a great day it is to get away from that green, slimy stuff. Comes in a jar. It's enough to kill a kid. But now, with them, it's when the kid's able to probably go make his own sandwich. In other words, it's, they don't have an exact year on it, but I read it seemed like it falls between six years of age and eight when a child is weaned. 
That's my favorite time for boys. Six, seven, eight. I remember my grandson, my oldest grandson is 26. When he was getting about that age, we get in the pickup truck, got a bale of hay and a dog in the back. And uh, if I wasn't from Texas, I wouldn't know some of this good stuff. And we go to a country store and get a big red. You understand? If you don't understand big red, you're not a Texan. I don't care what you say. <laughs> and a peanut patty, nothing but pure sugar and peanuts. Amen? It's a fix. <laughs> We'd ride along in the truck, and I could see the red, you know, that didn't take long. His mouth was red, and we would sing. I'm singing, he sought me and bought me, and he's singing, he socked me and he bopped me, you know. <laughs> and I'm just saying, this is a great time of life. Okay, I'm looking at you mamas now. Especially little boy. Six years. It's time to take him to the temple and leave him. You can come see him once a year. I'm reading your face. You don't know it. Everybody stands up here and reads faces. Some of you would have trouble with that. And if you're going to raise your child right for the Lord, you're going to have to get over that. Because you can't take care of that little boy or that little girl because you can't go everywhere they go. But God does. I don't care if you're on a submarine, an aircraft carrier, or a tender. You're 500 feet below the surface, 600 feet below the surface. God's there. Read it. It's a 139th Psalm that talks about it. If you're the bird, you fly away, if you're in the depth, He's there. I'm just saying a commitment sometimes tougher than making a decision to do something. It's where the rubber meets the road. So it says in verse 24, And when she had weaned him, she took him up with her with three bullocks, an ephah flower, a bottle of wine, and brought him to the house of the Lord in Shiloh. And the child was young. Look at verse 27. For this child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which is asked of him. Therefore also I have leaned to the Lord. As long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord and worship the Lord there. Can you see the mechanics of how this thing flows? Someone said, Brother Hardy, how, this section of Scripture didn't have anything to do with finances. Oh, well, hold on. How about look at chapter 2. Look at verse 7 and 8, because we're not done yet. The Lord maketh poor and maketh rich. Are you going to tell me that didn't have to do with money? He bringeth low and lifteth up. Verse 8. He raiseth up the poor out of the dust. That's me. And lifteth up the beggar from the dunghill to set them among princes to make them inherit the throne of glory. For the pillars of the earth are the Lord's, and he hath set the world upon them. So now we're in chapter 2, and you say, oh, well, I see all this had happened, and she had all of that, and she had him, but now he's gone. You ever heard people say, God's a debtor to no one? Well, uh, it's true. So now we're in chapter 2. Samuel's already moved into the temple, and he's living there with uh, Eli. It says in verse 18 of chapter 2, but Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. Verse 19, moreover his mother made him a little coat and brought it to him from year to year when she came up with her husband to offer the yearly sacrifice. Now we'll stop for a moment. So he, she had to have her hands on his coat every year. Why did she need to do that? Mamas. Any takers? 
What would need to be done to that coat every year? Yeah, alter it like bigger. You know, even in Oklahoma, kids grow. They still grow in Texas. They grow. <laughs> she had to go every year because Samuel's growing. He's going to come become quite a man. You say, what's the point? Uh, Samuel was her faith promise. It grows because our faith grows. You were thinking I was still giving three dollars a week, didn't you? <laughs> Well, you can forget that. <laughs> Fact is, it gets exciting about the time your faith promise may just go right past your tide. You never know what'll happen. You know, I can't. But here, I'm not pushing you. You ask God. I am not pushing you. Because you don't get rewarded for me pushing. You get rewarded. Say, Lord, you and your wife just ask the Lord, Lord, what do you want us to do? Because that's all He wants from His children. So let's see what happens here. So it says, verse 19, I'll look at verse 20. And Eli blessed Elkanah and his wife and said, The Lord give thee seed of this woman. Now, I want you the next three words, and I don't want you to go past that. For thee long. So we've got some grammarians here. There's such a thing as an indefinite article and a definite article. You see, what's an indefinite article? For an inde- if he had an indefinite article, it would say for a long. It doesn't say for a loan. It says for the loan. In other words, what's about to happen is for one thing and one thing only. It's not really for tithe or something else. It's for this one particular act. So what does God do? For the loan which is lent to the Lord, and they went to their own home in verse 21, and the Lord visited Hannah that she conceived and bare three sons and two daughters, And the child Samuel grew before the Lord. Five for one. You can't beat God's way of doing math. Put one kernel of corn in the ground, stalk comes up. Some years of corn in places like Indiana have 1,200 kernels. If you got a Christian banker, take one kernel with you and an ear. Lay them on a desk and say, you're a man of God. I'd like this interest rate on my money this year, 1,200%. Oh, no, we just rather trust man than God. Well, ladies, somehow I get this in my mind. Because the last thing we saw, and it says, and Samuel continued to grow before the Lord. And so now she has other younger children, and Samuel's grown. He gets grown. And so maybe she's out buying groceries. And, um, you know, they just barter. And every day they didn't have stores like we have. They go out to the tables. and So she's buying something from a lady. And they're talking back and forth and bargaining on the price. And so the lady at the table says, what's your name? And she says, well, my name's Hannah. The lady behind the table says, you're Samuel's mama great prophet of Israel. Man, nothing turns a mama like that than to know that her children are walking in truth. I'm telling you, it's good stuff. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. 
For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.